We find ourselves spectators today, watching a story unfold, and we have high hopes. A man, he lies beaten, robbed, stripped. There he is on the side of the road. The road down from Jerusalem to Jericho is rough terrain. It's rocky. It's a rocky desert and barren. We can almost imagine vultures circling over the man, his doom sealed. Hope springs, though, for us. We see a priest. Surely he will stop. Surely the priest will help a fellow man, a fellow Jew, wounded and suffering, dying. He passes on the other side. Then again we have hope. Fellow Jew nears. Surely he will not just lend a hand, but save a life. No. A third nears. A Samaritan. And Jews and Samaritans, they did not get along. It would be rare for a Samaritan to be here on this road. It's an unlikely encounter. And he stops. And he's moved. And there is mercy. There is deep, heartfelt compassion. Deep, heartfelt compassion. Aroused as the Samaritan sees need, the distress of another human being. Samaritan is in a position to save a life. The priest didn't, the Levite didn't, and the Samaritan didn't have to. He did. He helped with no other impetus other than compassion. And then action to bring relief. So take a moment and search your memory, your heart, for a moment. Search for that moment when you felt deep, heartfelt compassion. Where were you? Who was around you? How old were you? One of the ways we experience deep, heartfelt compassion, this depth of connection and movement, is when we relate to the needs of another person. Relating to another person comes in a variety of forms and depths. We might relate to a child who is off for their first tryout for that sports team. In that moment, our own triumphs and our own disappointments come to mind, and we relate to that child. We might relate to someone who has heard that first diagnosis of cancer. Having been a cancer survivor, we remember back to our diagnosis and the fear and the worry. We might relate to another person based on our own hopes and dreams for how the world should be, how we would hope to be treated or helped were we in the same situation. 
was driving down Goodlett Frank years ago and passing Fifth Avenue North, I saw a beer truck and a smashed bicycle and a man lying in the road. In that moment, many thoughts and feelings flashed through my mind. It's a terrible accident. But I need to get to church. I have work. There's a funeral I'm supposed to do. What, what could I do anyway, even if I did stop? How can I turn around? Got to turn around. But there's that median. When can I turn? Where do I park? Why are all these people standing so far away from this man in the road? What prayers should be offered for men I don't even know when they're dying? What consolation can I give? Reflecting on that moment, I related to the man because I would not want to be dying without someone near me praying for me. Were I dying, I would want kind words, a reassurance of knowing that I'm not alone. And so an overwhelming, heartfelt compassion flooded over me. And I knelt on hot pavement, praying until the paramedics arrived. And the paramedic came. And there was one look. And he shook his head. Mercy, it doesn't end in a feeling. It ends in action. There is a feeling of overwhelming heartfelt compassion, but then there is help, active love. I do wonder if in this world people are becoming more and more distant from one another, less able to relate to the hopes and dreams less able to relate to the needs and necessities, circumstances and experiences of fellow people. Wonder what that will mean for mercy. In the week ahead, I hope that you will reflect on your life and find that moment when you felt the stirrings of mercy. And I have an image to help you out, a pearl. Pearls are prized across the globe and throughout history in this world. Pearls are beautiful. Prized are the rare ones that are perfectly round. But pearls have their beginning with an irritant or a bit of sand finding its way into an oyster. At least that's what it is in New Orleans. For some of you, it's a clam or some other mollusk. And on that bit of sand, layer upon layer of nacre, envelops the sand until an irritant is transformed into a jewel, a jewel priceless in the world, loved by all. But Jesus has a love, and he loved children. He said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Children have a wonderful way of being so honest, so insightful, and free in how they live. But over the virtues of childhood honesty and insight and curiosity and wonder, life's nacre grows and we age out. We age out of innocence and childlike trust into savvy adults glowing with life's experiences. That maker, though, that the world might see in us as grown adults, as beautiful, may not always be beautiful to God. When the education and experience of life layer year after year on us until we feel well so important, like that priest, we walk by someone in need. When self-centeredness and our need to get about our own ways layers and layers on us, year after year, until we, like the Levite, are so focused on ourselves that we pass by people in need without even seeing it. So let go of all the layers of life and think back to that one grain of sand, that one piece that nags you, that pulls at you, simple hope, something that you would have known right away as a child. Heard mine. I don't want to be alone when I'm in pain. I wouldn't want to die alone. I'd want someone to be with me. Reassurance. And in that reflection, perhaps in that moment, you will be more open to relationships around you and the deep need we all have to love our neighbor as ourself. Compassion and love might swell in you for another person or a vulnerable community. And then next, action. What caring deed will you offer that will transform? that will save another person's life. Jesus wanted good Samaritans, and he still wants them. And he wants you 